Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Extra, extra, read all about it. Death is dead. Here, let me read the article to you. Let me see. I found it in here somewhere. Um, no, it's not a joke. That's get that. So here's the thing: death is dead. You may or may not have heard it, but in order for me to tell you the story of how death died, I need to tell you the story of where death came from. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Romans chapter five. By the way, man, is it kicking in here today? Wow, that was so fun. I don't know if it was good for you, but man, it was good for me. Um, I just, man, love singing about the resurrection. Romans chapter 5. So this is the story of death. This is the story of death. Now, death is typically something we don't want to talk about. It's something we want to avoid. I took a philosophy class in college, and one of the, one of the topics that we spent weeks upon was that we were a death-denying society. And, um, you know, so, it, so it's... It, it's constantly before us, it's constantly in our thoughts, and we have constant reminders of death. So where did it come from? In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, here's what the Bible says. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Death and sin were not part of the original equation. Here's what happened. Jesus tells a parable about a vineyard. Well, I'm going to expand that vineyard just a little bit to try to help our minds capture this. But there was a king, and the king built an, an estate. And when he built this estate, he built it perfectly. In fact, we know it was built perfectly because after each and every day that he built a part of it, he made a statement, and his statement was, it is good. And so this king built this estate over five days. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that each day he built a different part of this estate. Now, I call it an estate. Of course, we're talking about the earth and, and the world, but... But the reason I say in a state, because in the economy of God, God is so large and he is so powerful and he, and he is so, so uh, incomprehensible that the only way we could really put it to scale is by saying it's an estate. It's one piece of property in the universe that God owns. I don't know if you've done any research into this, but if you start looking through telescopes and if you start, start seeing how far the heavens extend, it goes billions and billions of light years away. And so we're just this one little speck, one little dot on the landscape that God has to work with. And so he built this estate, and on the first day, he built the, the, the foundations of it, and he said, it is good. And the next day, he built another part of it. He built on top of the foundation. And each and every day for five days, here's what he did. He put corners perfectly square. He put beauty into every single part. He put, he put little mysteries inside of it. He made everything with order and with perfection. 
No dust, no crookedness, nothing except for absolute perfection. Drywall happens to be on my mind this week. Been working on drywall at my house. Probably noticed the white stuff. I think I got it off. But in drywall, the drywall trade, there are five levels of finish. Level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. Level one is I slap some mud on it and I put a really heavy texture on it. And it's supposed to look that way. Level three is it's mostly smooth, but I'm still going to put a texture to hide the imperfections. A level five finish, and you pay for it, is completely perfect, completely smooth, every square inch of the house. God put a level six finish on the earth. Everything, not a scratch, not a dent, nothing but absolute, complete, total perfection. Then on the sixth day, God said, you know, I need someone to rule my creation. And so I'm going to create on this sixth day mankind. So he made Adam. Out of the dust of the earth, he formed Adam. And then the Bible says in Genesis that the body, Adam was, form, uh, the, 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 Adam was, was lifeless and empty. And so he breathed his own breath into Adam. And when God breathed into his nostrils, Adam came alive. Now think of this. God put his own life inside of Adam. What kind of life do you think that was? And he said, Adam, I have made you in my own image. When you look in the mirror, you reflect my own glory, my own beauty, my own perfection. Then he said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. The giraffes aren't quite suitable enough for you. The hippopotamuses are just aren't, aren't quite suitable for you. The toucan is not suitable for you, so I'm going to put you to sleep. And I like to think that Adam probably had a little headlock put on him, put him to sleep, right? And he uh, took out of Adam and he formed Eve and then Adam woke up and he named her he goes whoa man that's how she got her name you didn't know that that's in the Hebrew seriously no it's not it's not out of man y'all gotta work with me here I'll, I'll just keep coming he made Eve he joined them together and he said listen the two of you will become one flesh and the two of you in innocence and in purity and in perfection, you will rule and reign this earth. And God then said, I'm going to walk you around my estate. And I want to show you what you're responsible for. And I want to show you the joys. And I want to show you the pleasures. And I want to, I want to just, just share with you all the things that I put into this magnificent earth. So he walked him through the back of the estate. And he said, you see those hills there? They are perfect in every way. Perfectly symmetrical and symmetrically asymmetrical all at the same time. He said, in those hills and in those trees, I have gifted the, the mystery of mathematics. And so if you were to, to want to, you could see how all of this stuff ties together. Then he walked him to the side and said, you see this pond, this lake? It's crystal clear. There's no pollution. It's perfect in all ways. And the bass are that big. And Adam, they're always hungry. Always. Throw some speckled trout in there too, just for Johnny. Then he walked him out to the other side of the estate. And he said, you see these fruit trees? These fruit trees are going to bring forth uh, uh, 
apples and oranges and grapefruit. And when you eat of them, they're just going to squirt all over your face and it's going to be stickiness of, of pure joy. Pure joy of stickiness. Joy full of stickiness. How about that? Then he walked him around to the front of the estate. And he said, now Adam and Eve, come here. I've showed you the right side. I've showed you the left side. I've showed you the back side. I've showed you all of the boundaries. All of that is yours. Everything is yours. And I've made it perfect. But this one tree right here. This one tree. Is mine. You may not eat of it. You can have everything in the garden. From one corner to the other. But this tree is solely my possession. If you eat of it, you will surely die. If you eat of this tree, you will come to know good and evil. Up until this point, you are innocent, you are perfect, you are holy, you are just like me. But if you eat of this tree... It will begin a cycle of death and everything that comes along with it. Not too long after that, Adam was stro- or Eve was strolling through the front yard. And a serpent said, hey. Psst. What you doing? Well, I'm just admiring God's creation. Really? Have you seen the tree in the front? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's a marvelous tree. That tree must be rather special. Why don't you taste it? Oh, I couldn't taste that. God said not to. Did God really say that? Oh, yes, yes, God. God said that. Oh, God. Hmm. What a shame that he would keep from you the very best. What a shame that he would keep from you the sweetest juiciest, most pleasurable part of his entire estate. That simply isn't fair, do you think? Eve thought for a few minutes and said, well, you know, I I guess I have always wondered what it was like. And as she reached to the fruit, and she took of the fruit, she was entering into A lifetime of being chased by death. The Bible says that through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. And with sin entered death. The Bible says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. Now in the moment that she ate of that tree and then gave it to Adam... There was an innocence lost. Whereas everything God created was good, suddenly all that was good began to turn brown, began to to be corrupted, began to perish, began to rot. It began to wither and it began to fade. And everything God created as good now had a clock started on it. And the clock was ticking. And the final destination was death. 
And Adam and Eve could not say to God, God, that's not fair, because God clearly said, all in the garden is yours except this one tree. And Eve clearly said, and Adam clearly said, I don't want all of the freedom you've given me. I want this one thing you said I cannot have. And it brought death to Adam and Eve. And it brought pain to Adam and Eve. And it brought guilt to Adam and Eve. And it brought, it brought shame. One of the worst reactions or one of the worst things that came with sin is not just death, but it's the shame that comes with it. In this room, there are those who are sitting here who are so covered in shame because of something you did, something you said, something you thought. And that shame, you just carry it like change throughout your entire life. And every time God tries to lift up your head, you go, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because remember what I did. Remember who I was. And the condemnation that comes through that. And the guilt. And so, all of these things are the result of one sin. Now, before you're too harsh on Adam, if you would have been there, you'd have eaten too. See, you're not guilty for Adam's sin. You're guilty for your sin. I'm guilty not for your sin. I'm guilty for my sin. The Bible says that the soul who sins will die. And the moment we sin, we are on a, a, a runway towards death and decay. Now, I want you to think of all the words that are associated with death. Rot, filth, chaos, corruption, brokenness disorder, darkness, confusion, anger, bitterness, guilt, all of these things, they're weighted upon us. And listen, my friends, our entire life, we are running from death. And every now and then we say, I better eat better because if I don't, I'm going to die. I better start exercising because if I don't, I'm going to die. And my wife won't stop arguing with me till I do. Not die, but exercise. That's not really true in my home, but I know in some people's. And, and so our entire life, we're just running. What happens when you run? You get tired. You expend all your energy. You never rest. I liken it to the game, the great game of Pac-Man. Now, I mentioned this at First Baptist, and half the crowd was like, Pac who? But I know that I'm amongst friends here, right? You know what Pac-Man is, right? Pac-Man is chasing those little red dots, right? It's going down. And the goal is to eat all the dots, but what happens? You've also got these five-colored ghosts. You've got red, and you've got blue, and you've got yellow, and you've got some other colors that I don't remember because my Atari was on black and white. And so... While you and I are going like this, chasing life, we've got death chasing us. Actually, it's not this, it's this. You ever feel like your life is just being chased? Like you're running and running and running and you cannot find rest and you cannot find peace and you cannot find satisfaction. It's because death is at work in all of us because of sin. And so the Bible says that this is the origin of, of death. It was when God's law was broken. 
To be sure, verse 13, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. Verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died... By the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared to the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned, it ruled through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life of one man, Jesus Christ? So, God looked at His creation, and even though what He made as good had been corrupt and, had been, and, and, and is now on a path towards death, Everybody who is born will die. Everything that is young will get old. Everything that is clean will get dirty. That's just the direction life goes. But God demonstrated His own love for us in that even though we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Here's a truth that I want you to remember. Everybody in this room, there are no exclusions. Everybody in this city, everybody on this planet, there are no exclusions, are either. This is binary. We are either dead in our sin, and sin swallows us up, and it chases us all the way to the grave to death. We are either dead in our sin, or we are dead to sin. Everyone. We are either dead in our sin, barely able to tread water, gasping for air, or we are dead to our sin, and sin has no power and no hold on us. It's one or the other. That's it. And the difference between the two is the cross. Think of the cross as a bridge from death to life. The arms of Jesus gave us a bridge from death to life. Now, the thing about the cross is this. The cross was Jesus paying the price for our sin, and He was offering us grace And when he died, he satisfied our guilt. He was ransomed for us. You know what a ransom is, right? If I kidnap your kid and I say, I'll give you your kid back if you'll give me money. Now, you might say, no, keep my kid. But most of us would say, okay, I'll make an exchange. I will trade. I will give money. I will give value for value. God traded his son for our guilt. For our sin. There was, a, there was a ransom that was going on there. There was a satisfaction of a claim to our soul. The claim was, we 
owe, a debt we cannot pay. The death of Christ satisfied that debt. It was paid in full. Remember the word tetelestai or tetelestai, depending on where you put the breath. So it was paid in full so that our sin was totally paid for. But here's the deal. We stay in sin. We stay dead until we receive the gift of God that is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Everybody can be set free from sin. Not everybody is set free from sin. And I'm not talking about just not sinning. I'm talking about all the guilt and the weight that comes from that sin. And so Jesus was a gift that was not like the trespass. He died as God's grace, and it was a gift that came through Jesus Christ. So you got Pac-Man being chased by those ghosts, right? And then you've got these little things, and when you grab them, what happens? Or whatever it says, and Pac-Man now turns and chases the ghosts. I want you to remember this. It is a silly illustration, but you and I, if we are dead to sin, we're no longer being chased by death. We are chasing death. We're no longer being chased by captivity. We are chasing captivity. We're no longer being chased by brokenness. We are chasing brokenness because Jesus Christ has broken every chain. He has set all captives free who will receive the gift that he has given you say well how come i'm still captive well because it is a process and it does take time but at the end of the day so many followers of jesus even though we have we have been set free from the guilt of death we are still living as if we are guilty the bible tells us this it says put to death therefore whatever belongs to the earthly nature that's on you and me it's the prayer that we pray as, as a staff. Lord, give us clean hands, pure heart, and a resolute spirit. It's the desire for God to live his, 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 his way and His purpose through me. Essentially, it's being Adam again before sin. Does that make sense? It's saying, God, I'm going to live the way you called me to live. The thing about sin is this. It is, it is seductive. And it, is, it, it, and it is nasty, and it always comes out, it always comes across as beautiful. Sin takes you farther than you want to go, and it costs you more than you want to pay, and it always keeps you way longer than you want to stay. Sin is that dreaded hollow Easter bunny. Right? Man, my mom used to get me those. By the way, if you're going to get an Easter bunny for a kid, they know the difference between cheap chocolate and good chocolate. I mean, I'm not going to complain, but my goodness, spend a couple extra bucks and get the real stuff, right? I digress. I'm still wounded as a child from that. But do you remember, maybe you got, now look, I'm, oh man, I just messed up. Because now kids are going to be like, mom, cheap stuff, really? It's all I can afford, shut up. So you remember those chocolate bunnies where... This is, my, this is my favorite illustration for sin. You get this one-pound chocolate bunny, and you have to go through the decision-making process. Do I eat his ears, or do I eat his feet? I mean, you can only start really at one of those two places. If I eat his ears, he won't be able to hear me eat the rest of him. 
But if I eat his feet, he won't be able to run from me while I'm eating him. So, well, you take this bunny. I remember as a kid, man, I took this thing, and I didn't know, I didn't know how to feel for weight. I just didn't know. I was, I was innocent, and I, I went, and it crumbled. It was hollow, and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I was about to gorge myself with a pound of chocolate, and it's empty, and it's hollow. And sin does that to us every single time. I want you to think back in your life. The last time you willfully disobeyed God. Was it fun? Of course it was. But did it leave you fulfilled? Did it satisfy you? Did it leave you with hope? Or did it leave you with guilt and shame? Did it leave you with peace? Or did it leave you with chaos in your soul? Listen, folks, there is no new game here. This is the same thing that the devil started when Adam and Eve walked the earth. The enemy said, I can't create anything good and I can't create anything new, so I'm going to take what God created and I'm going to twist it so that it's no longer good, but so that it's corrupt and perverted. And then he offers it up to you and to me and says, look what is so good. You want to know why we go through go to sin much more quickly than we go towards holiness and, and obeying God? <clears throat> because the pleasures of sin are so immediate. But the pleasures of obedience take time. And because we have a flesh that craves, it's the old man, it's the old nature. But here's what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a what? A new creation. He's not a remade person. He's not a rebuilt person. He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Because God puts his spirit inside of you and inside of me at our, at, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And his spirit from the inside out is refining us and is, and is changing us and is sanctifying us. And through that process of sanctification, we become more and more like the Adam that God first created. No guilt, no shame, no corruption. But see, the thing is, so many of us Even though we profess Christ, we are living as if we're being chased by sin. The cross and the empty grave was when things all turned around. And so we're chasing him rather than the enemy chasing us. Extra, extra. Death is dead. Did you know that? I'm not talking about did you know it intellectually, but did, do you know that in your life? Are you living that way? I want to show a video here. This is a, this is a story that I got from Voice of the Modders. I sat in my office one day a couple of weeks ago, and I watched all of the videos that were on this CD that they had sent me. And I think they sent it to me, I don't know, like 2016. And for some reason, it just sat on my desk. And I sat at my desk, and I watched them all, and I was stunned, and I was shocked. Because of the price that believers are paying all across the world for their faith. And I started asking myself, what does my faith cost me? Do I love Jesus enough that I would be living even in the midst of being hated by the world? I want you to watch this. Because this is what the resurrection does.
حتی مثلا از سن چهار پنج سالگی شروع کردم نماز رو یاد گرفتن و مثلا قبل از اینکه وارد مدرسه بشم سوره های قرآن رو حفظ میکردم دین هستن اینا خیلی شستشون مغزی مارو میکردن و اگر هم یه همچین چیزی میشندم خوشحال میشه ولی همیشه به ما میگفتن اگر یه مسیحی رو بکشیم وارد بهشت میشیم و برای همین بیشتر تلاش میکردم که قانونای مذهب رو دقیقتر انجام بدم فکر میکرم وضوع اشتباه گرفتم دوباره هی میرفتم وضوع میگرفتم شاید این مثلا برای یه نماز ده بار تکرار میشد که من میرفتم وضوع میگرفتم و برمیگشتم و مریضی روحی هم که گرفتم افسرده وحشتناک هم بودم احساس کردم که هیچ وقت به خدا نرسیدم و مامانم تو حالت مرگ بود خیلی هم بابسته بودم به مامانم و گفتم که من خودم رو میکشم اگه اجازه ندیدی کنه این کار بکنم بیرون از خودم رو و گفتم باشه اگر دوست داری با هم پتکشی Brothers and sisters, I'm with you tonight. The Lord has a special message for you tonight. If you're hopeless, if you're oppressed, if you're planning to commit suicide, the Lord says stop. He has a hope and a future for you. If you're planning to kill yourself, stop and call me. وقتی که رفتم توی اتاق دیدم مومنم داره دایی تو برو میکنه و خیلی اصابانی شدم به من ندیا نه شایش میگو ای میخوام باش حرف بزنم بلن بیخه ای میخوام قرد کن بیرم چی داری خدا پرزینا نیش میخوام نیش بازی نه نیش قرد وقتی که این فکر اومد توی سرم گفتم این بهترین راهی که یه بار دیگه تا آخرین لحظه مریم به الله خدمت کنم She was thinking, okay, I'll pray and next week, this time Jesus had not done anything for me I'll call uh, live on the air and I tell everybody look, I tried Jesus for a week and nothing has changed and I'm going to kill myself tonight and I will do it on the air و بعد از یک هفته که خودکشی می کنم حد اقلش اینه که وقتی به حضور خدا می رم میگم آخرین کارم هم برای تو انجام دادن
فردو صبحش که از خواب بیدار شدم ساعت نیمه شب بود که از خواب بیدار شدم دیدم و دیدم که مامانم خیلی راحت داره تو خونه راه میره و دیگه اونطوری نیست که تعادل نداشته باشه یا دستش جایی بگیره گفتم ما باید سریع بریم میمارستان و وقتی که جواب رو سریع گرفتیم دکتر گفتش که فقط میتونم بگم یه موجزه شده چون هیچ اثری از بیماری ام اس نیست Jesus went into the grave. He was dead. Death had won. And if you can think of it this way, if we could paint a picture, make a movie, a hole was dug 20 foot wide and 20 foot deep. Jesus' lifeless body was thrown into the, to the hole. Uh, he was buried in the tomb, but I'm painting a picture here. And then that hole was filled with concrete all the way to the top. And the enemy said, he's dead. But on the third day, Jesus Christ busted the grave wide open. Threw chunks of concrete everywhere. And said, death cannot hold me because death is death. I say to you today, there is a God of enormous power, enormous kindness, enormous grace, 
enormous love. And this God is right here among us. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that exists for you and for me right now. It's the same power that Padina experienced in Iran when she woke up at 3 in the morning and her mom was walking down the hall. We serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. So here's the invitation this morning. It's Three invitations, or it's one invitation, three different options. One, if you're here today and you are dead in your sin, I'm calling you, Jesus is calling you to life. To turn the tables on death and say, Jesus, I surrender to you. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you can't work for it, you can't pay it back. If you'll trust in Jesus now, you will be set free from the curse of death. You will be set free from having to constantly try to outrun death. That's number one. Number two, if you are born again, if you know Jesus, but you are still living as if you were a condemned man, I'm calling you, Jesus is calling you, to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your sinful nature and to be alive in God's Spirit. And the third thing, this morning, if you've been set free, if you once was and now you are, I'm going to ask you to testify. I told you two weeks ago we're going to do this. Here's the deal. Three seconds. I want you to stand up and I want you to say, I once was, now I am. Pull the keyboard down just a little bit so we can hear. You see, the resurrection is about testifying. The women ran from the grave. He's alive. Peter and John had a race to the grave. When they got there, they found he's alive. They couldn't stop talking about it. What has Jesus done for you? Go. Who wants to go first? Amen. 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 This is killing you. I know. I know.
I wanted to be somebody. Now I'm happy to be a nobody. Anybody else? What has God done in your life? Yes, you can. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Father, this morning, as we take these next few moments to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to our sinful nature, as we take these next few moments to yield, to call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, God, I pray that you would move in this place. Lord, I pray those who have needs would bring those needs to you. Even if they're impossible needs, Lord, you specialize in the impossibility. Would you stand with me? What's God called you to do?